You are now listening to Fixed Ops Chops, podcast designed by top industry experts to provide you the cutting-edge information you need for a lucrative fixed operations department. Stay up to date on the hottest profit-strengthening products, services, and technologies. And now your host, CEO of Traction, automotive industry leader, and fixed operations expert, Dave Boyle. Hey everybody, welcome back to Fix Ops Chops, live from the floor of the NADA convention here in my hometown of Dallas, Texas. If you've been following along on social media the last couple of days, we are doing a bunch of mini-podcasts here, little 20-minute segments here with some industry movers and shakers and talking to people here at the convention the convention floor. And I am really happy to introduce Ken Malden. I just met him for the first time. Um, Ken, pleasure to meet you. Pleasure to meet you. You are with the Purdy Auto Group. Yes, sir. Uh, and you've, you've been around, I think we actually met years ago at Van Tyler. When you were back, you look you look very familiar. Yes, I saw you last year too. You did a, yeah. with Sandy Creamy. They did a fixed up yeah. summit for my group. Yep. You were there. Yes, I, well, that's right. Yes. That's right. You, were, you were part of the panel. Yes. So tell me about. I just learned something about the Purdy Group. So you got stores here in Texas. Yes. But you're also a distributor down in Costa Rica. Correct. Tell us about that. That's Correct. fascinating, actually. Um, yeah, we are actually owned out of Costa Rica. We are the distributor down there for Toyota, Lexus, Ford, Volkswagen, Subaru. Um, we do trucks. You know, they, they've got quite a big one on that. You got a chance to go down and see any of the stores oh, yes. down there? Oh, yes, we're down there about every about once a quarter. Really? What's it like? Tell me what's it. Is it, is it um, different? I mean, they actually, the operation down there is it's actually amazing. They do a very good job. Um, the culture is probably the biggest thing they have down there. It's completely different than the U.S. I mean, you can walk into any shop, for instance, all of their fixed ops, fixed operation shops. Most of them are open air. It's 80 degrees year round, doesn't matter. Right. Um, but what, it, what amazed me was that all these open air shops, but how clean they are. They are insanely clean. I mean, Pride, pride in the workmanship, pride in where they work. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a completely different culture. I remember the first time I visited a, a dealership outside of, well, outside of the U.S., um, in Mexico, actually, and I had the same experience. And it, the place was immaculate, and then at the end of the day, it just stuck me, this was years ago, but what stuck me at the end of the day was, how, A, how clean it was, and then the service manager told me that the floor was dirt. It was actually a dirt floor. Oh, wow. It was a dirt floor that had been packed down over the years with tires and oil and whatnot, and it become like concrete, but it was dirt. And the people actually swept this dirt floor every day. It was that fascinating. Yeah, it was, it These was, floors down there, they shine all the time. So yeah. They keep, yeah. They keep really Fantastic. And so what kind of cars they sell down there? Same, same as here or different models? Or? Pretty much the same as here. They've got a couple different models. Like they've got, they've got diesels and things like that that we can't have here in the U.S. Right. Um, like Toyota and stuff like that. So there's, there's a little bit of difference, but there's, there's a lot of similarities to here. They've got, uh, you know, your regular, your Camrys, things like that that's down there. But uh, you know, one of the things we like is like Land Cruiser. You can get a Land Cruiser diesel down there that you can't get. That would be a fun car to have, right? That would be a fun car to have. All right, so let's let's switch gears a little bit here and talk about this industry. So I've been asking everybody that's sort of on the fixed op side the same question. Okay. You know, one of the hottest things. I'm going to come back to tires in a bit because that's what I do, right? But I want to come. I want to start with this. So one of the real hot topics right now is technicians and technician shortage. And you know, the fact that, that this is going to be you know a killer for our industry in the next you know four or five years if we don't figure out a way to find and or cultivate technicians. What's your take on it? Is this something you're worried about? Oh yes, yes. It's a, it's, a, it's a topic of conversation every day with my team. Um, the real big focus we have right now is, number one, retaining our technicians. We want to keep the ones we have. Because, um, like you said, the, and, and there seems to be a gap. There's a pretty good-sized gap between what I consider the old-school technician and the young guys coming up. We don't have anybody in the middle. 
somewhere we lost we lost touch there in the middle somewhere. So we're trying to fill that gap right now. So a big focus with our group is growing our own technicians. Express service in all of our stores. We have a program designed as in house at the end of They have a certain guideline training that they extend to. So, like every 90 days, we're looking at what that next step is in their training program. Um, you know, when we hire so, you're people, growing your own. Yeah. When I hire people, I don't hire oil changers. I'm not looking for somebody to just change oil. I'm hiring technicians. But this is your entry level. This is where you start, especially ones out of high school and things like that. We're getting heavily involved in high schools now, um, trying to kind of get ahead of that curve a little bit. But at the end of the day, I mean, it's. It's still a struggle. It's still a struggle with the way the industry is going. So I was talking to Tully Williams from the Nilo Group the other day, and he was talking about basically the exact same thing that you did. And everybody I've asked this question, by the way, it says, look, it's retention first. Keep the ones we got. Um, but the notion of finding guys that are that are young and want to grow, that we can grow up and create our own our own you know technicians over time. I was telling Tully the story the other day. I'm a, I'm, you know, I've been in this business 31 years. I'm a car enthusiast. Um, and I've actually got a couple of cars that I, I restored. And, yeah, and I, uh, we'll get back to that in a minute. Okay. Um, but I was, um, it was about a month ago, I, I, there was some tool that I needed. And if you ask my wife, that's impossible. Because she says, I think I have every tool. Two of everything. Same, same scenario. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there was something that I needed. And I actually went down to, it was a Saturday morning, and I went down to Harbor Freight. Because I, I, it's something I needed to pick up. And I noticed something, and I remember taking note of it. The store was packed, by the way. And there was probably... 15 guys in there that clearly had work shirts with name tag na name tags on them. They weren't dealers. And it was just, what I what I saw was, you know, these were guys working in independent shops. That's where they buy their tools. And I thought to myself, you know what, if I was a service manager, I'd be working a deal there. I'd be handing out cards. I'd be because I think that's an avenue that we need to tap into. Because, you know, especially with a group like Purdy, it's got lots of resources underneath you. You can offer a better career track for these guys. You can offer a better work environment, you know, tool allowances, clothing allowances, lunch rooms. I mean, the whole, they get none of that in working in these aftermarket shops. And most importantly, it's the career advancement, right? You know, you go to work for a Jiffy Lube, or, and I'm not knocking any of these aftermarket, right. they're customers of mine, so I'm not knocking them, but, you know, you get a guy that does oil changes for a living, that's what he's going to do if he stays at a Jiffy Lube. But if he comes and does oil changes with you, he's got an opportunity to grow himself Absolutely. up through the organization. Absolutely. And in many cases, you'll help him pay for them, right? Yeah. Absolutely. We have a couple of programs now, actually, with our, especially with our Express kids, where we will build toolboxes, tool carts with the tools and stuff like that. Once they graduate from Express in their main shop, that's theirs. Nice. They can take it, and then we just build another one and try to get this sort of mold. That's, that's the kind of thing. The other thing, too, that and Ed Roberts was just in this chair from, from Bozart Ford. That's all right. <laughs> you know, Ed. I like Ed. Ed's, he's just yeah. the Ed, Ed, actually, believe it or not, I'm willing to admit, Ed helps me a lot. Well, that's all that to hear. He is literally becoming a rock star in this yes. business, and I love to see His it. His mobile repair is tremendous. We're doing the same thing. Are you? Mobile repair, too. Really so I, fantastic. I, I, I lean on him a lot for that. He's such a humble guy, but he does such a great job down there. One of the things that we were just talking about was, you know, we have to change the perception of what a technician is. You know, it's not necessarily grease under your fingernails, especially with EVs. You know, it's replacing parts. It's like heavy electronics diagnosis. And the other thing that I think a lot of young people don't realize, both he and Tully Williams was here yesterday. Tully told me that he had two technicians last year in his group, the Nilo group. They had 10 stores or whatever. They made over 300 grand. Oh, wow. And I'm thinking, wow. And he 
said, listen, most of them are making 150 to two. Definitely making the six figures. Yeah, and I don't think a lot of young people realize that you can make that kind of money being a being a technician at a, at a car dealer. Here's the other thing I agree with you 100% about the way we look at technicians, and, and we've even talked so much. We have roundtable meetings with all of my guys, my fixed ops guys, every month. Conversations have come up about do we even call them technicians anymore? Right. You think about it. They're computer. One of the guys said computer geeks. Yeah. Because the majority of what you do now with these cars, and especially moving forward in the EV market, it's going to be all computers. You know something, dude? I think you're onto something there. I'm I just, really do. I'm just because saying. a lot of it is that you know, you go to it. You know, you're a young guy. You go to a dinner party with a bunch of friends, what do you do for a living? You don't necessarily you don't want to tell them you're a mechanic or a technician. I mean, we evolved from mechanic years ago to technician. So what's that? What's the next ever? That's, you know something? We've had a lot you know of something? Hey, whoever comes up with something, you don't get to keep <laughs> it. it. Our idea. Ken and I get to keep that. We're gonna, as soon as we get done yes. here, we're gonna we're gonna copyright that in some way. But I think you're onto something. I mean, it really, really is. Because it's, it's all about pride, right? They is. want to feel prideful in what they do and, and whatnot. So, cool. How long have you been in the business? show my age. 1988's when I started. I believe it or not, I started changing tires for discount tires in 1988. I started changing tires and working in as a service advisor as well at a Canadian tire store up in Canada oh, okay. in 1988. Okay. So you and I have a similar start. Actually, I started mine right here in Dallas, just down the road off the of 30th. Did you? Tire. Yeah. Um, you had an opportunity to go back to talk to yourself 30 years ago and give yourself one piece of advice about this business, what would it be? Take your time. Never stop looking forward. There you go. Always keep looking forward. Yeah. Um, I can tell you too. I mean, the last three or four years, um, especially being with the party group, because they're very, you know, I'm, I'm lucky to work for an owner that's very, very innovative, always looking at what's next, what's right. next, what's next. So, and we're constantly talking to. I mean, I've spent probably we're a rentals dealer, and I've spent probably three or four hours with rentals yesterday. What's next? What's next? You know, yeah. we pilot a lot of things. We do a lot of things differently in our stores than not a lot of stores do. Right. Um, if I could have told myself that you know, 30, 35 years ago, that would be just always keep that in front of your mind. What's next? I don't think any Never of us. Finished. I don't think any of us envisioned that this is what it was going to be, right? I mean, not at all. All the technology and all the things that are out there to help make this make this easier for folks. And, you know, it's one of the things that we like to say. You know, when we started selling our product 12 years ago, now the very first slide on our presentations was an easy button, you know, from Staples, uh, because it was about creating technology to help make a service advisor's life easier. Um, and I spent most of my career standing on service drives, and I can attest to you, it's one of the hardest jobs out there. Oh, absolutely. It still is. It still is. And, and it's, you know, and I think one of the ways that we not only make service advisors better at what they do, but do a better job at retaining and attracting new talent is to change what that job's all about as well. And make, make their jobs more professional make them easier to do because they're not easy to do. There's a lot of stuff that they got to deal with. And, and when we first started building this product, when I sat down with my with my, my development team, I said, first and foremost, this needs to make their jobs easier. It needs to make everybody's life easier. Because if, if there's technology out there that doesn't make your life easier, you shouldn't use it as far as I'm concerned. So you're you're mentoring a young guy that is maybe writing service today and he wants to be a service advisor. He wants to be a service manager. What's the one thing you want to tell him to make sure he focuses on? You got a new shop and just starting to run it. What should he be focused on? Actually, right now, it's probably more about time management and not time management for itself, but time management for the customer. Right. 
you know, and that's something that we, we, we practice this every day, but it's really about, you know, actually one of the conversations we have a lot is whether this business is still relationship built or transactional built. Yep. You know, and a lot of people don't believe it, but I'm, I'm starting to, I call it transformational now is what I'm starting yeah, to I love it. Because, I love it. You know, we, back in the day, you know, you, you knew all of your customers, you knew their family, you knew their kids, that type of thing. Nowadays, everybody's in a hurry. Everybody's, you know, what's next? Where are we going next? Where are we going next? So, I mean, really, if I was training somebody right now, it's really going to be focused on, okay, you need to, you need to look at it from a customer's eyes and not from the relationship side, but from the time management side. How can you help them manage their time better? i got to tell you something, Ken. I've had a lot of people in this chair in the last two days, and that's the first person that answered that question the way I would have answered it. And I'll tell you why. I think, listen, it's still a relationship business. Yes. It's a people business, but that's changing. And, and it's not changing because of us. It's changing because of them. I have stepkids that are early 20s, okay? They don't want a relationship with the place they fix their car. Okay? I ask my kids, I've got we, kids we might want to have a relationship with them, but they don't want to have a relationship with us. So we need to understand that, and we need to change the way we do business to suit what they want. And that's where a lot of the struggles are right now. I have them at my, my three stores, because of some of the advisors that have been doing this 20 or 30 years, they're having a hard time grasping it. They're having a hard time grasping the fact that these customers don't want to sit and have a conversation with them. Right about what happened this weekend or about the ball games this weekend. They don't. They just, unfortunately, they're tied up or they're focused on their phones or whatever's going on in their personal life. They don't really want to do that. It's, um, it's about making things easy and it's about making things transparent. When you think about these kids that are about to be the next big block of buying cars, these are the kids in their, in their early to, to mid-20s. Their, most of their human interaction is with somebody on a screen. Well, speaking of screens, that's what we do. All, all of my stores have, we have kiosks that we check in our customers. Okay. We check in about 80 to 85% of our customers through kiosks. Fantastic. And literally, it takes about two minutes to complete the process. Um, and this, and people are going to think I'm absolutely crazy, but when I really started trying to analyze all this kind of thing about two years ago, um, you know, it's always been a focus of the advisors to go out on the service drive, do the walk around, yeah. do, the, do all that. Nobody did. Let's just call it what it is. Advisors didn't do it. We struggled with it every day. It was a battle. So I just stopped. My advisors don't even go out on the service drive. I literally have concierge that greet you at the car, they check you in through the kiosk. Believe it or not, the upsell percentage of the stores is better than what it was with the walk around. Yeah, no, you know, you don't, don't argue with me. I believe the kiosk it. is telling them. I know, believe it. And I think that. You know, there still is a, a, a good chunk of people that want that sort of white glove treatment, but I think that segment is shrinking. That's about the 15% that I have that don't go through the kiosk. Right. That segment is shrinking, and the segment that's going to start to grow exponentially is the people that want to do this, the low-touch, high-tech, if, no if I can do it without even seeing you, you know, if I can do it on my smartphone, you come and get my car, yes. and then drop it back in my driveway at the end of the day, which is like, you know, Ed and his mobile service, what you do with your mobile service, I mean, that's what they want. They don't want to get to know their service advisor, and that's not you know, high on their priorities. I tell this story all the time, you know, but it was a story from my stepdaughter, and she was looking to deposit a check and the check that she got it was too big for the bank to take and she was completely she wanted dumbfounded what well about? she wanted something the person that gave her the check she wanted them to can you write me two for less amounts because so the, the thought of going into a bank and depositing a check even the thought of going through the drive-through and putting it in the slot was so foreign to her she wanted no part of it because their livelihoods is on, around these things, right? And it's one of the reasons why when we launched the, the, the latest version of Traction with our product, 
I mean, forget printing out the reports and, and having service advisors review them. We just text, as you know, we just text it right to the customer. They, they drive over our stuff, and before they get out of the car, they've got their report texted right to them. They can make the decision. They don't need the service advisor to sell them anything. They make their decision. We give them all the educational tools. The advisor gets the same information, so they can guide the process if need be. But the consumer is empowered to look at what they need, make the decision, have that fully transparent sort of digital experience, which I think that's the growing segment of our of our of our car buying. I did something like a few years ago, whatever, because like right now in our company, we're, we're focused on trying to go paperless. Right. Let's get to that point. Like you said, nobody wants to print it. A few years ago, I did a little bit of a personal study, so to speak. I stuck a big trash can in the middle of my service drive for when customers were leaving. And at the end of the night, the trash bag out, I dumped it out, and I probably counted 50 receipts. Receipts. The stuff that we just dropped in there. Who keeps receipts? That's what I'm saying. So in my head, I'm going, you know, you think about it, it's like, why are you even printing this stuff anymore? The only person that keeps a receipt, I think, is my wife. <clears throat> and she's an accountant. My mom so and dad probably still do. No, my wife's an accountant, so she, she keeps she keeps receipts. Uh, and she always gets mad at me because when I go to the gas station, you know, and it says, do you want a receipt? I always say no because they end up in my cup holder. And then when I wash my car once a week, they get thrown out. And my, you know, I don't need a receipt because it's on my credit card statement. Why would I need a receipt? The only time I get a receipt now is when I'm using the company card because my controller yells at me if I don't have Exactly. For an expense i got to take a picture of it at least. This has been fun, Ken. I really appreciate this. Hey, listen, I've been in, uh, finishing every one of these interviews the same way. Um, I was a big, huge fan. Still am. I was a fan of the great, late, great James Lipton from inside the Actors Studio. I don't know if you ever had a chance to see it, but he interviewed uh, celebrities and whatnot for years, became quite a famous guy, passed away recently. Uh, he ended every segment with his rapid-fire questions. He asked five questions of everybody. One of them was, what's your favorite swear word? I'm not going to ask you that, I promise. We're PG-13, but I'm going to hit you with five questions so people can get to know who Ken is. Okay. Uh, on this thing. So, first car. What's the first car you ever owned? Dodge Colt. Wow. I remember those cars. Yes. I remember those Passed cars. Passed down from the mom. Only a go. few months, because then I had to get out of that and get to a Camaro. But yes, that was the first So, one. I'm going to tell you straight up, and I had a cooler mom in there. So, my first car was passed down from my mom. It was a 69 Chevelle. So. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah, she hated it. My dad bought it for her, and she hated it. It made too much noise, and she was too hard to drive. My dad bought it and used for her. Thought it was a cool-looking car. My dad was a car guy like me, and she hated it. She reluctantly drove it for a couple of years. As soon as I turned 16, she said, here, you use this. It's funny. I've been looking at buying one. I've been looking at a couple of myself. Oh, my God. I love this So we're going to get back to this. So let me, I'm going to get back to these okay. questions. So what, 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 what's, your, what's in your garage at home? Uh, right now, nothing. I'm, on the, I'm in the moment. I'm in the, uh, the mode, of, I guess, of looking for one. Um, okay. I've had what have you done in the past? 79 Z28, 78 Z28, 77 Z28. Um, so you Chevy guy? Quite a few. Uh, had two or three different IROCs that I restored. Because um, I, I really consider the IROC my first official car because that's right. what I went to after the Dodge Colt. Right. But um, yeah, so the only actually the only Camaro I have not had is the second gen 70 to 73 split bumper. That's yeah. the other one I would love to buy. I had a 73 back in the day. It was the first year of the aluminum bumpers, yes. and uh, it was a fun car to have. I've got a 78 uh, Corvette uh, okay. that was a low-mileage barn find that I did a complete frame-off restoration. And I, Those are not easy to do. No, and I, <laughs> they're not. And I, I kind of resto-modded it. Like okay. it's, I took out the 190-horsepower engine and put in a 600-horsepower freight motor, and, and uh, it's sort of my weekend driver, but it's, it's a lot of fun. So. so what's in your driveway today? What are you driving? Uh, Daily, I drop a Tundra. I have tundra? a Tundra. Very nice. Very nice. One of the new, new ones. Love the look of it. I love the front end on that truck. It's such a good look. If you could pick any other career other than what you've been doing, what would it be? 
Actually, you know what? I would be a college football coach. Really? Yes. Only exactly. because I feel like uh, those kids are missing kids. I mean, they're, they're adults at that point. They're very impressionable. Yeah. Um, and that's really what I love about my job now. Now that I'm at uh, the fixed ops director level, and you know, I've got my team, all my service managers, parts managers, everything work under me. I really enjoy watching these success. So I think a college coach would probably be well, that's the, that's the first of that answer, but maybe one of the coolest. I love that. I'd love to be a coach too. That would be that would be great. All right, you got to pick one mentor. Who do you admire most in this industry? It could be a mentor, it could be somebody today, somebody modern that you admire a lot. Yeah, but if I tell him, his head's going to be way too big. That's okay. I've been talking a lot to Ed, so Ed's probably the one guy. Dude, I listen. I can tell you something. I've learned a lot from that yes. guy over the years, and uh, you know, it's, uh, yeah, no, that's a great answer. What's your favorite thing about the car business? Favorite thing about the car business? Interesting. I guess we'd have to go back to building the teams. Building the teams and watching, watching my store succeed, watching my department succeed. Everybody's giving me the same answer. Watching these guys it's always excited. the people. Yeah, watching the these people guys get excited. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and with our company, it's kind of ingrained in us. It's about the right. people. people first. Actually, people before profits. Yeah, that's, yeah. Our, that's our logo. Our well, good luck with things. Um, you you know, at the, at the Purdy Group, it's a great organization right here in my back in my hometown. So, and thank you for stopping by. It was a pleasure to meet you, my friend. I appreciate it, sir. Take care. Thank you for listening to Fix Ops Chops with Dave Boyle. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to our podcast and be sure to visit our website at www.traction.com. That's Traction with an X. To join the conversation and discover our Fix Ops bonus content.